Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Good evening, dear friends. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Biolabs podcast. Today, we invite David to our program. Thank you for joining us, David. So in today's program, we will be exploring what are some special functions of small hairpin RNA. We know that RNA interference is a highly conserved, double-stranded RNA-induced, highly efficient and specific degradation of homologous messenger RNA in the process of evolution. In recent years, RNA interference has become a powerful tool to study the gene function of mammalian cells. David, can you enlighten us on the mechanism of RNA interference? Thank you for your invitation. I'm very excited to be here. Speaking of the mechanism of RNA interference, it is to degrade the host messenger RNA sequence specifically by delivering double-stranded RNA with the same target sequence in the cytoplasm. RNA interference occurs in all eukaryotic cells except prokaryotes. How is the degradation of the target gene completed? This is achieved through an enzymatic pathway involving the endogenous RNA-induced silencing complex. Can you be more specific? Sure, let's see. With the help of argonaut protein and double-stranded RNA binding protein, one of the siRNA double strands, we usually call that the guide strand, is loaded into RNA-induced silencing complex. RNA-induced silencing complex then locates the guide chain to the complementary messenger RNA molecule, which is then cleaved by argonaut near the middle of hybridization. And finally, the cleaved messenger RNA is further degraded by other endogenous nucleases. Doesn't RNA-induced silencing complexes also function through other RNAs? You're right. Similarly, RNA-induced silencing complex also plays an important role in inhibiting endogenous messenger RNA through related microRNA mechanisms. I've seen reports that several methods of RNA interference have evolved over time. The simplest method includes the direct transfer of chemically synthesized small interfering RNA oligonucleotide into the cytoplasm. Any limitations to this method? A large number of studies have shown that although the delivery of siRNAs can be achieved in many types of cells, the unstable transfection efficiency limits the application of small interfering RNA-mediated RNA interference only to those cells that can be transfected. So I guess there are new and better methods to deal with the disadvantages of siRNA transfer? Yes, another form of RNA interference involves the use of short hairpin RNA synthesized in cells through DNA vector-mediated production. Can you tell us more about short hairpin RNA? Of course. Like siRNAs, short hairpin RNAs can be transfected as plasmid vectors encoding short hairpin RNAs transcribed by type 3 RNA polymerase or modified type 2 polymerase promoter, but they can also infect mammalian cells with vectors produced by viruses. While siRNA delivers the siRNA duplex directly to the cytosol, short hairpin RNAs are capable of DNA integration, 
and consist of two complementary 19 to 22 bases RNA sequences linked by a short loop of 4 to 11 nucleotides, similar to the hairpin found in naturally occurring microRNA. Will short hairpin RNA be processed into siRNA after it enters the cytoplasm? So after the short hairpin RNA sequence is exported to the cytoplasm, it is recognized by the endogenous enzyme dicer, and yes, it is then processed into the siRNA duplex. Like exogenous small interfering RNA oligonucleotides, this endogenous siRNA binds to the target messenger RNA and is incorporated into the RNA-induced silencing complex to degrade the target-specific messenger RNA. Since small interfering RNA and short hairpin RNA use similar cellular mechanisms, what determining factors do you think we can use to choose which way to silence genes? Right, they both use RNA-induced silencing complex. I think several important factors to be considered here are the cell type, time requirement, and the need for transient and stable integration. Is there any potential risk of using siRNAs? Definitely. For one, the growing concern is the possibility of increased off-target effect due to the high concentration of siRNA in cytoplasm. Another concern is more related with the siRNA delivery, UC, with cell division, the concentration of siRNA is diluted, which makes it impossible to produce long-term cell lines, with required target gene knockdown. Yeah, I have heard about this. I think in this case, short hairpin RNA can be used to produce stable knockdown cell lines, thus eliminating the need for multiple rounds of transfection and greatly improving the repeatability of the results. So do you think the short hairpin RNA is a better choice? Indeed, the silencing efficiency of short hairpin RNA has been reported to be significantly higher than that of siRNA. However, the establishment of stable short hairpin RNA cell lines is a time-consuming task because it may take up to several months to prepare for the construction and selection of short hairpin RNA-positive cells through drug resistance or fluorescent labeling. But you know, many cells cannot be transfected with siRNA at a high level, especially primary and non-inherent cells, such as immune cells and undivided cells. So this leaves short hairpin RNA a winner. Am I correct to say that transfection efficiency is a major problem of siRNA? Because incomplete transfection will lead to incomplete knockdown, which may not be able to remove the function of the protein. You are absolutely right. For most untransfectable cells, adenovirus, retrovirus or lentivirus-based short hairpin RNA technology is still the only feasible technology to successfully deliver RNA interference. We also know that in principle, no matter which RNA interference method we use, for a given gene of interest, the correct selection of the target sequence is still one of the most critical components of successful gene knockdown. But how do we know what kind of sequence is the correct selection? In the experimental design, although the target RNA interference sequence was constructed between 19 bases to 27 bases, most of the data about effective sequence selection involved the design of 19 bases target. Although the effective gene silencing of a given small interfering RNA cannot be guaranteed before the experimental proof, many algorithms have been designed to predict the 19 bases target, and its nucleotide composition is considered to have the highest potency. With the frequent design of new algorithms, do we need to use the most modern design methods to select the target site? Yes, I think so. 
I remember seeing great protocols on how to use available algorithms to design short hairpin RNA knockdown and appropriate controls. Some indicate that at least two target sequences should be designed for each gene to increase the possibility of significant gene knockdown caused by at least one sequence. Additionally, two successful knockdowns can also provide a useful control for off-target knockdowns, since, you know, it is statistically unlikely that different sequences will produce the same off-target knockdowns. Is it necessary to construct short hairpin RNA vector once the target site is selected? Yes. There are two basic methods for constructing short hairpin RNA vectors. One is oligonucleotide-based cloning, and the other is polymerase chain reaction-based cloning. Can you tell us the most important factor for the construction of short hairpin RNA vector and the reason for being the most important factor? For any newly constructed short hairpin RNA vector, it is crucial to confirm the hairpin sequence because the single base mismatch in the target will change the specificity. Although many short hairpin RNA plasmids can be fully sequenced under standard sequencing conditions due to the inherent secondary structure of hairpins, some short hairpin RNAs may not be successfully sequenced. How do we choose the method for which we use to introduce small interfering RNA and short hairpin RNA into cells? I think it really depends on the transient or stable expression and the model system. Lentivirus-mediated transduction provides a convenient way to transfer short hairpin RNA into divided or non-divided cells, and generally speaking, it is less toxic to cells than adenovirus-mediated transduction. And then after the short hairpin RNA plasmid is prepared and introduced into cells, for the next step, we need to confirm the effective knockdown. For the gene knockdown assay, some researchers used quantitative polymerase chain reaction analysis. The knockdown was based on two short hairpin RNAs targeting innate immune adapter molecules, previously produced by their laboratory using retroviral vectors based on mouse stem cells. When testing the effectiveness of short hairpin RNA, is there a comparative analysis of its function? If knockdown targeted genes have known biological or physiological functions, a functional analysis would be very useful in testing the effectiveness of short hairpin RNA. The effect of gene knockdown is dose-dependent, which provides further verification for the results and convenient additional control for the experiment. Thank you, David, for sharing your knowledge on RNA interference today. In this episode, we talked about how scientists began to use this powerful technology to study gene function shortly after its cellular mechanism was first described. This includes better designs to successfully introduce small interfering RNA and short hairpin RNA into mammalian cells. Although the simplest method of RNA interference is cytoplasmic delivery of small interfering RNA oligonucleotides, this technique is limited to cells that can be transfected and is mainly used for temporary in vitro studies. Short hairpin RNA can be stably integrated into mammalian cells and knock down target genes for a long time by infecting virus vectors. However, there are some challenges in the implementation of this technology. Some groups have described well-tested protocols that should increase the chance of successful short hairpin RNA design, delivery, and evaluation of gene knockdown. These studies demonstrate the utility of including two short hairpin RNAs with different knockdown efficiencies to provide additional levels of control and verify the dose-dependent functional effects. Thank you everyone for listening.
We will continue our discussions next time.